Good morning, this is Danger Dan here in the Talk Shop. Today's episode I recorded with Sean Jackson of Competition Distributing. You may know him on the gram as Action 88 Jackson, or you may remember the bike he built last year with the Pan American Motor in an FXR chassis. That is when I first met him as he was building that bike at the Sons of Speed Race, which we go over in this podcast, but this is a new one. And uh, one I'm looking forward to continuing doing, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. All right, let's start off with some dates. We've got... What's first? I guess the first thing is Mama Tried. uh, February 17th and 18th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you are not familiar with this show, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but it is some shelter, all right. Uh, These guys have been doing this show in Milwaukee for years. It was really one of the first chopper shows I ever heard about while I was traveling around on my twin cam. And, in, and now I'm a small part of it, and I'm really stoked. I'll be doing some live podcasts at the venue on Saturday. Got some killer guests lined up. I got Jake from Prism Supply, Paul from Bare Knuckle Choppers, Nick Resty out of uh, Nick's, Nick's Choppers out of Birmingham, Alabama. Talked to Brad Richards from Harley Davidson. He's on board. And Pat from Lead Sled. We're going to be doing live show all day long. And it'll be filmed, so if you're not able to make it, you'll be able to watch it and listen as well. Uh, I got my chopper and my flathead signed up to race it flat out Friday. Dude, that's, it's just a fucking rad event all the way around. Jeremy Pratt, Scott and Warren, dude, they're great. <clears throat> Scott and Warren actually came by the shop yesterday and recorded a podcast with me for their very own Mama Tried Flat Out Friday podcast, which I was stoked to be a part of. And pay attention to all their social to check that out. Go to mamatried.com or flatoutfriday.com for more information on that event. Dude, after that, the spring kicks off. We got Daytona. We got the Texas Fandango. Um, the Mezcal Moto Rally's coming up. The Nomad Run is going to happen again. Uh, a lot of events this year, so... Just keep listening for more information. All right, this show, like all shows, is brought to you by MC Shop Tees, your T-shirt of the month club, the only way to support every local motorcycle shop. Each month, we feature a different shop from around the country, sometimes outside the country. We do a one-off limited print shirt that is only available through MC Shop Tees. Each shirt comes with a postcard that tells you about the shop, where they're located, and what they specialize in. This month's featured shop is Power Plant Cycles out of California. Yaniv is a badass. I met him earlier this year in Daytona when he showed up for the Choppers Magazine FXR Bazaar show at the Harley-Davidson booth. And what a rad dude. And, you know, I've been following this guy for years, and he's built some fucking rad bikes. He's got a good brand. And I can't wait to go visit his shop. Uh, but those shirts, they should be shipping in the next... With today's Friday, they'll probably ship at the beginning of next week. And if you're not signed up, you're not going to get one. I hate to break it to you. It's too late. But you can still sign up so that you do not miss next month's T-shirt. And you can also 
buy these as gifts. You can buy three, six, and 12-month packages or just sign up month to month. And, uh, man, I really appreciate everybody who subscribes now, who has subscribed in the past, and anybody who's thinking about subscribing for the future. It's a rad thing, and I can't wait to see this thing grow. Uh, if you if you have too many T-shirts, you still want to support the podcast, go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. I have a Patreon link set up where you can drop 5 bucks each month and get yourself entered to win some badass shit. Uh Right now, I'm giving away a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs every month, and I know that there's something there on their website that you need. I recently placed an order for a BDL belt drive, some cloth-covered wires. Uh, what else did I get? Some plug wires. I got some engine bolts, like some motor mount bolts with the castle nuts on them, and I'm stoked to put those on my chopper. I'm going to pick up my motor from Boston Billy this weekend. And uh, with the help of Lowbrow Customs, I'm going to get my bike ready to go for the spring of 23. And I'm fucking stoked about it, and I hope you are too. Uh, along with that, I also have a $100 gift card I am going to give away to my sister's shop, Inappropriate Trucker Hats. She's been running this thing for a minute. And, uh, she, dude, she just prints hilarious shit on Trucker Hats. She's got a storefront in Prosper. She will actually be having a Christmas party next weekend on the 17th. If you're in that area, go check her out. But at the end of this podcast, I'm going to give away a $100 gift card to inappropriate trucker hats. Follow her on the gram. And thank you to all my patrons who support the show and make this thing possible. So today's show is going to be a reoccurring one. <clears throat> uh, me and Sean... For the indefinite future, once a month, they're going to get together and talk about the history of motorcycles, the people who rode them, the brands that built them, and, you know, the people that built them. You know, there's brands, there's custom builders, the, the riders, the racers, the stunt riders, uh, the travelers. There, there's just so many things to go over. In today's episode, we talk about, well, we debate, really. We end up debating on what the exact first motorcycle was. At this point, we are going to call the show Archaic Iron, but we are open to feedback. We want to hear what you think about this first show. You can email me at dan at dangerdancetalkshop.com or sean, S-E-A-N, at competitiondist.com, short for competition distributing. Uh, sean, I really appreciate the research that you put into putting out this first podcast, and let us know what you think of this. You know the... The format's probably going to, we've already talked about some things we're going to change up for the next one. Uh, but I really enjoyed talking to Sean and learning a little bit more about the first motorcycle. And, you know, and then also debating what was the first motorcycle. And we would like to hear what you think. What do you think the first motorcycle was? What qualifies a bicycle to be a motorcycle? So email us, listen to this podcast, and... You know, pay attention for the next archaic iron. But let's get into this. What are we going to call it? The, let's, let's get into this debate, really, on what was the first motorcycle with Sean Jackson.
All right, Sean Jackson. How's it going, man? Competition distributing. Uh, this is this is really rad that we're finally like making this happen, uh, and I'm so stoked that you've you've uh, you've stepped up and like, you know, I know that the heavy lifting is going to be on you the way that we've set this up, and I'm stoked that you're down and willing. And I cannot wait to learn more about motorcycles in the history around them. And, uh, you know, before we get started, I want, I want people to know a little bit more about you. Uh, you work for a company called Competition Distributing. I know that's not, yes. you know, you haven't been there forever. Or, or, honestly, I don't know much about that. Tell me a little bit about you and your relationship with Competition Distributing. All right, man. Uh, so Competition Distributing uh, is an antique motorcycle company, and I actually run it out of my uh, out of my shop at my house. Um, and it's it's a company that's been around for quite a long time. Uh, if anybody's in the antique motorcycle world or has anything to do with antique motorcycles, you probably heard the name at least once. Uh, it was it was founded by a man named Lonnie Ism, and Lonnie started the company back in the late sixties. So uh, it's definitely not new on the block. It's been around for quite a long time. Uh, we have customers all around the world. Uh, you know, primarily our heavy markets are like Australia, Norway, Germany, Sweden, um, those kind of places. Even more so Other than America. Than, well, I would say as of right now, we're at probably about 40%. And the 40% is uh, European and the other the other uh, mass majority is the United States. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but... It, it's been around for quite a long time and um the way i got involved with it was kind of crazy so uh i've been into motorcycles ever since i was a little kid uh, i've been you know i had my first harley when i was 15 uh, i've been riding bikes literally my entire life so you know when you when you grow up with that and you're just in it and you're you're always doing something with it i feel like you know your path kind of leads you down where you want to go you know so and i i was always superly uh super big into you know building bikes and wrenching on bikes and not just riding them but also you know taking part in that whole end of it so uh i ended up getting involved with uh with a guy called uh tom banks and his brother george banks um you great, know great my, dudes. Where I, great dudes i was so stoked to meet them this past spring yeah yeah they're they're some of the best guys around man uh they're just super super nice uh great personalities awesome guys huge in the motorcycle world obviously but uh the way i got tied up with them and i, I kind of got to lead into this part of the story just because it'll give you the background to how everything came to be um because it's such a quick time period how this all happened but so it was, you know, a couple, you know, a little over a year ago, I got involved with Tom and George. George, his brother, is actually a neighbor of mine. He only lives about four miles from my house in my shop. And the way I got connected with that, uh, George was their other brother. There's five of them, but uh, only two of them really big into the motorcycle stuff. Uh, was their brother, Paul. And Paul owns a uh, powder coat shop right here in town where we're uh, based out of in, in Pennsylvania. So. I, you know, building parts, always fabbing stuff up, taking stuff down to him all the time. And it was always motorcycle related. You know, he, he's like, you got, you know, you got to get in touch with my brother, uh, you know, George and Tom. They're huge into bikes. They love you. You know, you're building all your stuff. You're doing all this stuff. So, you know, fast forward a few years, it, that, that time finally happened. I, uh, I actually happened to catch Tom and George out testing a 36 BLH uh, for the motorcycle chase. Nice. Uh, 
Yeah, it was like right down the road from my house. So, you know, I, I the way I caught him was kind of funny. So they're pulling up to a stoplight. You know, Tom's on the 36 VLH and George is behind him in the cannonball van, like, you know, doing, you know, they're doing road trials, testing the bike, getting ready for one of Doug Wathke's, uh the musket ball. And I was driving my 68 Ford pickup and I, I go flying by him. and I'm like, holy crap, I think that was Tom and George, you know, and I, I, up until this point, I've never met them, but I knew what they looked like and obviously what they were doing. So I swung down to Paul's, the powder coach shop there, their brother. And I was like, hey, I just saw your brother and blah, blah. And, you know, five minutes later, here comes Tom and George rolling up. And uh, they got, you know, I, I instantly just run over to the bike because I'm just, you know, infatuated with the old stuff. So I see the bike sitting there. I'm going over it. We're talking and introducing ourselves and everything. And, you know, George invites me over to his house, which is right down the road here. So I was like, sure, I'll, I'll come over there. So mind you, this is like a weekend on a Saturday and I have a wedding I'm supposed to be at for one of my buddies. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally like, I'm like, you know, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments in your life. I'm sure you have with all the stuff you're doing, but you ever have like that time where you just know something is happening and like, it's, it's for the, for the right reasons. Like, yeah. 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 Where the star, like, the stars they, align. Right. Right. And I don't feel like you get a lot of those in your lifetime, but it was definitely one of those moments. Like I just knew that I had to go down there. I didn't care about any prior commitments, anything going on. I was like, man, I got, I got to get down there. So I go down to their house, I walk in and there's a 1912 belt drive Harley sitting there. And then, you know, a bunch of stuff in there and I about, you know, Oh my God. I, for, for a guy like me, I was like, this is insane. You know, you, you see this stuff in a museum, not in somebody's garage in the middle of, you know, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, or right down uh, the street from your house where you live. Right. Right. So I'm just like, I'm freaking out, you know? So I, I'll fast forward to that. It was, it was a really good time. You know, I, I ended up spending way too much time down there. Uh, I got in trouble cause I missed the, the wedding, the, the actual like ceremony part. But I, you know, obviously I made the, uh, the, uh, reception the party portion of it but uh you know my wife wasn't too happy with me but i I told her i was like listen you can be as mad as you want you know i I just met these guys finally i've been trying to meet them for a long time and i I know it's going to be awesome just knowing these guys well when i left that house i had been invited to uh with them already just meeting them uh to, to go on a cannonball with them you know we hit it off pretty well so Already, I was super excited. I was going to be a mechanic on the cannonball, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's going to be awesome. So fast forward again. I'm down there wrenching on bikes, helping them get stuff ready. Next thing you know, uh, I we get a phone call from Jason. Uh, Tom did pull some strings on his end. And now I'm in the cannonball. I'm not just going to wrench. I, I got into it, which it isn't really an easy thing to get into um you know usually there's a waiting list and it's just it's it's hard to get into because they only accept so many people every year so uh tom gave me a a 1913 um single to ride because i really wanted to ride an old single um so we we only had a couple weeks left to get that ready so it was just like one thing after another this is all within like a couple months of uh you know progression here and you know we, we go off we ride the cannonball it was, uh, you know, there was a team of us doing that. And there's a lot of stuff, obviously, I'm skipping over, but I'm just kind of giving you a, a, a little yeah, bit of Yeah, background. it's quite the escalation here. 
Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, this is all like just boom, boom. Like I can't even like keep up with it, right? It's just one thing after another. So I, I just dove in head first with these guys. You know, I went from like zero to uh, sixty miles an hour in in no time. So on a single cylinder. We, yeah, right. <laughs> on a single. So, uh, you know, we do the cannonball. Everything goes really well for us. You know, we become pretty tight knit because on the cannonball, you're you live with the guys for you know four weeks in some of the most stressful conditions. You're you're wrenching every night till two o'clock in the morning. You're constantly uh you know under stress no sleep just you know you really get to learn a lot of somebody uh about somebody when you're when you're in those uh, circumstances so um it was pretty cool you know we really got to know each other really well so we get back from the cannonball and tom calls me he goes hey you want to do uh you want to go down to sun's speed um you know it's something i've been wanting to do and he's like obviously i know you're into it so let's go down and check it out so this is on october of uh of uh 21 okay yeah and so we go down to sons of speed and we check it out and instantly tom looks at me he's like oh we're doing this and i said heck yeah we're doing this, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, we look at each other we're like well we better start building bikes for this you know we gotta get some new bikes and so we're we're all pumped about sons of speed and uh you know we're, we're already looking for bikes and getting into that whole groove and right after sons of speed uh we're I'm I'm leaving and Tom's leaving and we drove down separately because I had some other things that I was doing and I was going farther south. I was going down to the Key West uh, to spend a little time with my wife since, you know, I was gone for over a month on the cannonball and everything else. So I get a phone call like uh, literally hours after we left each other, Tom and I, and uh, he goes, hey, I got to ask you something. I, I'm like, OK, he goes, you've heard of competition distributing, right? And I said, well, yeah, I've heard of competition distributing. We've ordered, ordered parts from them, you know, just in the short amount of time that I knew those guys, uh, you know, because we had to we had to get Cannonball bikes ready and everything else. So yeah, he goes, well, well, Lonnie's wanting to sell it, and uh, he goes, I, I wanted to know if you want to be my partner in uh, taking over the business, and because he's like, I, you know, obviously I got it, you know, Tom runs a lot of businesses, not just one thing, so he's got his hands pretty full. And he asked me if I wanted to run it and, you know, obviously be a partner with him in it. And I said, heck yeah, man, this is like, you know, lifelong dream stuff happening, right? You know? Yeah. That you um, didn't even have dreamed up at the moment. Right. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it, dude, I'm telling you right now, like I've literally, ever since I was a kid, man, I've, I've loved motorcycles. I love building bikes. And uh, yeah, I just, I've always wanted to be in it. I just never knew how I was going to make that transition, you know? So you know, and up and up until this point, I'm a I'm a field uh, I'm a field engineer slash sales uh, for locomotives. You know, I'm I'm flying all around the world, uh, and you know, selling and you know making really good money. But it's just not what I wanted to do. I actually, at the end of the day, I was pretty miserable with it. And you know, this was like a a light at the end of the tunnel kind of moment. And it was it was a huge pay cut, and it was a huge change in life, and like just one of those things where it's like obviously nothing certain in this world and uh i i literally couldn't sign up fast enough i was like <laughs> i don't care. I, I don't care if i'm making pennies you know uh i i, I want to do this you know and my wife supported it so you know here we go i i you know i jump off the deep end i left corporate america and um i went into you know running running our own business you know and uh we we flew literally i got back from the keys the day I got back from the Keys, we already had plane tickets bought. Tom and I got on a plane. We flew to South Dakota where the uh, competition was. We 
made the deal that night. We looked the company over and made the deal that night. Uh, it was crazy, man. Like this is all, and this is November now, uh, beginning of November and Sons of Speed was October, end of October. So, but like, just to show you how fast this is all happening. Yeah. And, and then next thing you know, uh, a few weeks later, right around, actually this time right now, um, last year, we were, we just got a bunch of trucks and we loaded them up, U-Haul trucks with everything from competition out in South Dakota. And we drove them back ourselves all the way across the country, back to Pennsylvania. And, you know, they, they, they opened the truck doors, they offload, they go, Hey, have fun. And they all left. And here I am by myself. And <laughs> I, I got to unload an entire company, all the inventory, 700, some SKUs and uh, parts and, you know, molds and dyes and machines all by myself, you know, and I actually called one of my friends, Kevin, and he came over and started helping me. And, Within, I would say, we were open uh, three and a half weeks after we did that. Wow. So, you know, I, I moved everything, everything in my shop, obviously, to, to fit and uh, open the doors in December 13th. And, you know, here we are almost a year later from that date. Um, and it's, I'll tell you what, man, it's, it's awesome. You know, um, I've made so many new friends and, you know, just life has been insanely fast ever since that ever since I met those guys, but I, I wouldn't change it for a minute, you know? That's beautiful. So, I mean, competition distributors, mainly an online distributor, or do you have like a storefront now up there in PA? How's this work? So you can come, you can come to Pennsylvania uh, to, to where we're at and you can come in and buy something from us if you want, but our, you know, 99.9% .9 of our business is online sales. Uh, we have a website, and we sell, you know, our primary focus is 1910 to 1936 Harley Davidson. Uh, we also have Indian, Flying Merkel, Excelsior, and some Henderson stuff as well. Um, but obviously Harley Davidson, JDs, VLs, and the early Harleys, like the singles and F-head style motors, those are our uh, bread and butter. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what we deal in. Um, we, we also, you know, get parts and we're, we're constantly growing. Um, you know, my task ever since I took over a competition was to to add a ton of things, and that's what we're doing. We're, we're bringing a ton of stuff into the company and expanding as much as we physically can. Um, so we're we're always doing new stuff and always on looking to, to build up to the next levels. Well, so we met at the Sons of Speed in the spring when you and Tom and George came out and uh, and raced with on the. Well, I guess right, it, yeah. Tom was on the single. You hadn't got your – did you race that first year? No, no. So when when you and I met, um, Tom had his 24 uh, JD that uh, we built, the uh, blocked-off single. So yep. we took a twin and blocked it off into – and that's when you and I met, and uh, we were down there racing, and we had the old bikes. We had some uh, – we had, what, 36-knuckle, a 42-knuckle, uh, a 41 flathead we were riding around kind of just, you know, living the dream kind of deal. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have my bike yet. Uh, I didn't have my bike until the Tennessee jam in May. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I was down there with all my friends on the choppers. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. We saw you guys from across the parking lot. It was such a, it's another, it's, it's again, man, it's like one of those things. It's so funny. Like I knew who you were, I knew your show and you guys all were riding around on these, on these choppers. And here we are on these other old style bikes, you know? And, 
you know, I could definitely tell you guys were pretty cool. I was like, oh, man. And then, and then I saw you in our hotel room, or not hotel room, but the the lobby there that one morning. And uh, obviously, we started bullshitting that day. So, um, but yeah, it's been fun. Well, so with any company these days, you got to have a social media presence, right? Right. And you know, once I met you and found out about competition, I started following competition. And every once in a while, I don't know how often you were doing these posts of old pictures, and then you would tell a story about the picture or you know, how it related to uh, the history of motorcycles or how it related to possibly some product that you might be selling. And, you know, it triggered in me this idea that I've been talking about for a while is doing a show uh, that is more based on the history and the stories and the people and the companies around the motorcycle industry. So when I saw you doing that, that's when I reached out and was like, you know, how much, how much more information do you have and do you want to share that with us? And you know, now we're here, uh, and we're going to do it. Um, we haven't quite came up with a name. We'll talk about that after the show. But, you know, where do we, where do we decide to start? But the, the very first motorcycle. And, uh, you know, just to let people know, I hit up Sean, and he was down. And, you know, I think this was about two months ago. We, you know, we've both been pretty stinking busy since. And I think I might have called you from Argentina or Peru you, you or did. someplace. You- <laughs> you were you were you were on your uh one of your pan am trips for sure yeah and uh yeah i saw a post that you made and i was like fuck it i'm calling him right now and uh yeah so since then we've kind of come up with some show ideas and uh you know the first one being i guess the first and i'm, and I'm really putting the ball in your court uh you know we definitely want some feedback uh, right now, we're just going to use both of our emails, Dan at Danger Dance Talk Shop and Sean at Competition Dist, short for distributing, competitiondist.com. And we want some feedback. We want to know what you think of this first show. We want to know what other shows you might enjoy. And we're going to talk about maybe some show ideas after this first one, as well as possible some, you know, maybe go over some show names, because I'd like to, to name this segment. And hopefully we can repeat this once a month. Uh, I know that there's a ton more information, and we may this may build up to be more than once a month. And I can't, I, I really can't wait to see where this goes. And uh, I can't wait to hear from everybody about what they think of it. And right now, I can't wait for you, Sean, to tell me about the very first motorcycle. All right, man, let's get into it. So. Uh, this is a super cool topic. Uh, obviously, I'm, it's it's leading into you know the reason we're all here today, and that's, that's motorcycles, right? Uh, we all share the same love, the same passion for something, and that's the two wheel stuff. So, uh, how do you get there? Well, we I figured no better way to start than you know at the very beginning. So um, this play was particularly uh, called the first motorcycle, but let's let's go back even further here. Um, let's look at, uh, the year that we're going to talk about and kind of look at some significance and things that happened, um, during this time frame. So the year is 1885. All right. Um, it's not solely based in the United States. Obviously there was a lot of things going on around the world and, uh, the bike wasn't, unfortunately the motorcycle, it wasn't even created in the United States. It's actually, uh, Germany that, that holds the title. But uh, just to give you an idea, some of the things happening during this time frame. Uh, Grover Cleveland is the president of the United States. Uh, the Ni- you know, Niagara Falls is made into a state park. 
um, a samurai become first prime minister of Japan. Mark Twain publishes the adventures of a Huckleberry Finn. Oh, wow. That's a, you know, that's substantial. Yeah, right. Um, the Statue of Liberty arrives in New York aboard the friendship of Israel. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, this is crazy, man. Like this is, a, there's a ton of stuff going on right now. Um, we're actually, so this is technically a time frame when we're at the end of the industrial revolution. Technically, you know, from what I read and from the research I, you know, occurred was the industrial revolution was mainly through 1760 to roughly 1840. Um, so economically we're actually in a downturn at this particular point in time in the United States. And by a downturn, it doesn't really mean a recession, but uh, the initial boom from the railroad industry and how fast they grew uh, just it, it, it came to kind of a stall at that point. So everything was kind of not real. It was on pause. And there were so many immigrants coming, just flooding America. Uh, right. You know, I think I read that there was like, what I say, 21 million people came from Europe that year. Yeah, it's it's crazy, crazy numbers. And it's like, you know, it was all because of the things that they were hearing about, obviously, the railroad and connecting this massive continent, you know, and making it uh, uh, able to be traveled. You yeah, know, you can go free, from one end. Free land out west. I mean, who doesn't want to come to America to get yeah. free land in California? Right, man. Imagine hearing all this stuff, and you're you're in a in a country that's not, you know could be oppressed, or you know just you don't have really any opportunities, or and you're hearing all this stuff about what's going on over in this new, essentially a new world, really. Um, and you know, obviously, people were coming over in droves. Um, so, with that all being said, uh, that you know, that, those are some of the things going on during 1885 when the first motorcycle was officially created. But how did we get there, right? How did we get to even having the point of somebody wanting to build a motorcycle? I feel like we have to go back just a little bit further. And by further, I mean about six years prior to this in uh, 1817. So 18, what was that? The first ever 1870. Yep. So the 1817 was actually the year that uh, the German inventor Carl von Drehaus is credited with developing the very first bicycle. Um, this machine was known as the Swift Walker, and it hit the road in 1817. And when I say bicycle, this isn't a bicycle like you guys would think a bicycle would be with pedals, with uh, you know a frame rail, like create you know steel, all this stuff. We're talking about uh, something that has no pedals at all. The frame was a wooden beam. And the, the wheels were wood with iron rims and leather-covered tires. So imagine, uh, you know, obviously no hard rubber tires or anything. You've got leather pretty much essentially tied somehow to, to these steel iron wheels. And you're, you're kind of just gliding this thing around. It doesn't even have pedals. So, um, you know, here we are. Now we're credited with the first bicycle. Um, so, yeah, you know, this is kind of where it all starts. You know, you got you got a machine now, or not even a machine, but some kind of contraption that has two wheels. And obviously, the bicycle has to progress from there. So this is 1817, and by the time 1880 comes around, 
obviously bicycles have become a way bigger substantial influence in not only the United States, but all over the world. Um, you got to think about travel, what people were doing up until that point, how they were getting around, how they were going to the store, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, you know, you had to have a horse to get around a horse or a buggy, uh, right? a, a pack mule, um, you know when when did they when did they put pedals on like when was when was like the human powered motorcycle? So that that doesn't really come up in this. I don't have an actual time frame of when they incorporated the pedals to the bicycle, which okay. I I think this stuff I was reading was like it wasn't too long after this, but I don't have like an actual date to to time that correctly. I got but, 1853 invented by Philip Moritz Fisher. Okay, and that was that was the actual bicycle, like with the pedals on it. Yeah, with the pedal crank. They called okay. it the Tretker Bell Farad. Sounds German. Oh, that, yeah, that's hard to pronounce, huh? Eighteen fifty three was the first bicycle with a pedal crank. Okay, so we go from eighteen seventeen to the first technical bicycle well not even well they call it the bicycle in in the research they said that was the first you know invention of it you know now we're talking what's crazy to think about from 1817 to 1853 they were literally just gravity vehicles or right so they were just pushing them around with their feet or something (laughs) right so either you lived by a hill or I can't really see this thing being used very often, right? Well, I mean, I mean, it could be like a skateboard, you know, like a skateboard. You're like, yeah. you know, Fred Flintstone and the bicycle across the country, just kind of <laughs> wheeling yourself. You know, there's got to be like some novelty to it, right? You know, like, yeah, maybe it's not yeah. the most efficient way, but it's kind of like a, you know, you're doing it just because it's different, you know, where you're kind of breeding that person, uh, the beginnings of somebody who's just trying to be outside what everybody else is doing and, you know. You know, like, I mean, a fucking chopper is not the most efficient way to roll down the road, but it sure is fucking cool, right? You know, that's this right. seems like it's kind of in the that- beginning of that, where they're like, yeah, I mean, I may not have pedals. You know, I may not live on, I may have to push this fucking thing up a hill, but it sure is cooler <laughs> than walking, you know? Right, right. And I guess you got to kind of put yourself in that mindset. If you don't even know pedals exist, you've never seen pedals in your life. You know, you, you you think this thing that you can sit on and just kind of push around or even you coast down a hill at who got, you know, 10, 15 miles an hour, you're probably pretty, pretty awesome having a great time. Yeah. And it also might be like the people, it's kind of like a fucking, the Tesla or the battery powered vehicles. We're like, that is not the most efficient way to do things. But th- maybe these people, they believe that at some point, if they keep giving, you know, Elon money that they will figure out a way to make this more effective and efficient where <laughs> the people on these bicycles are like, well, if we keep pushing ourselves around, maybe somebody will figure out how to make this thing go for us. You know, like they just believed in the idea of what they were doing and that at some point it would pay off. And it right. did. And it I did. Think, I, yeah. Obviously I think it really did because like you've already mentioned, um, you know, once, once the pedals came into play, now we're talking a whole different game. You know, now we have, uh, a contraption that you can get on and you can go anywhere you want 
without having any kind of repercussions of, oh, did I feed it? Oh, did I take care of it? You know, did I water it? What do I, you know, how long can I stay at my destination before I have to leave to go back before, you know, whatever. Yeah. Before um, I have to take it to water or something. I mean, this is like a whole new world. Imagine, you know, and this is also a time frame when, you know, everything you needed was in, in reach, you know, you didn't really have to drive 30, 40 miles to go uh, to a grocery store or, you know, go get that item you needed. It was all there in town. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting to, to, I mean, I wonder, I guess if you lived on a ranch, you just had a horse. You're probably not giving up your fucking horse anytime soon. So these bicycles were, you know, in the cities. Uh, what? I mean, the roads couldn't have been anything better than like cobblestone or fucking bricks at this point, right? Right. And that's the other thing, you know, roads didn't really exist. Uh, you know, roads didn't exist well into the, you know, more modern era, even of the United States, you know, uh, you, you had cobblestone, you had paths. That's, that's essentially what you would have is, you know, horse-drawn paths. And you, I think we all have been around a horse at least a few times in our life where you could see how bad, you know, a horse can really tear something up. So imagine, you know, riding these things around, you know, craters from horses and just you know obviously not having an actual road just slipping in that fucking horse shit dude the wheels on the bikes i'm looking at are skinny too dude oh, i mean dude, a fucking everything. wooden wheel with leather strap that's gonna slide when you hit a fucking pile of horse shit for sure yeah think about the leather like how they secured it to the wheel being ironed like they would have had to have riveted it or tied it of some sort you know so i, mean, I can't a, imagine a, a loose rivet sounds like it would work better than anything. Right. And I, I just can't even imagine, man. But, hey, you know, you got to start somewhere, and that's kind of what they did. So when did so, they put the first motor on it? Okay, so, you know, as, as we know, uh, human nature, what do you think about when you get something? Okay, what's, what's the first thing you think about? Like, oh, hey, I just got this new whatever. I want to upgrade it. Right. Uh, it's it's like almost like a natural uh, way of doing things anymore. And I, it's never really changed. So now you have a bicycle. People are pretty common with it. You know, we're, we're in 1885. Uh, you know, the pedals have been on now since, let's see, what, 53. So, yeah, you're looking at what, 30 some years you've had a pedal bicycle. So what's the next best step with this thing? Uh, let's put a motor on it. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the reason. Yeah. So in, in obviously motors are, they're not really what we think of a motor today. So we're living in a time frame right now where steam is king and stationary power plants are king. So size and constraints is extremely problematic. So you got to think about this. You can't just go grab uh, a predator motor off the shelf, at Harbor freight or something and stick it in a frame and be like, here we go. You know, um, Everything we're talking about is is very large, cumbersome, and uh, heavy. And not only that, a steam engine you gotta you gotta fire it, uh, and you gotta you know prep it before you can even go down the road. You gotta feed it. Yeah, but is it not a motor? I mean, so this is this is where our first debate is going to take place. Well, we may not debate. I mean, the facts do say if you read into this, the first motorcycle was 1885. But to me, in in 68 they put a steam powered motor on two wheels that's that's a motor i mean you know and they say from what i've read they don't give that credit as the first motorcycle because it wasn't an internal combustion engine 
Correct. Right. You know, like I don't, I don't get why Mr. Roper is not getting credited with the first like motorcycle. It's, I I think it's solely on that fact. And, and, and that fact means, you know, it was, it was a steam engine. You know, they didn't really consider it like uh, a a normal motor, you know, Um, you don't ever hear of like a, a steam engine powering, you know, a, a bicycle around or anything like that. They were, they were, Mainly carriages. But okay, so and, a steam-powered uh, train is it? Is right. that not? Conf- is it never referred to as a motor or an engine? Like the, it's, I mean, it's a steam. I guess you could say a steam engine. It, it is a steam engine, but it's not really. I I don't know. You know, I I don't know why they decided to not give. Well, which I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, do I I I feel like I feel like Gottlieb. Daimler, who we're going to talk about here in a moment, I feel like he is credited correctly because not only did he take something that didn't exist, but he puts it into a into a chassis with two wheels, and it's the first ever thing you could get on, start it, and go for a ride uh, without having to maintain it. And by my, you know, by maintaining, I mean physically you know, feed it, stoke the fire, keep watering it, that kind of thing. You know, all you had to do was give this thing gas and it actually had a carburetor and you, you know, you twist the wick and you go and you could actually control the throttle. I was going to say it probably had a fucking a time. You had to probably control the timing on the firing too, right? Or did it have like one of those, uh, what do they call those valves? That's like, like the, like the carburetor, uh, atmospheric valve. Oh yeah, so uh, yeah, Harley Davidson uses the atmospheric valve in the in uh you know the early bikes. Uh, it works just off the atmosphere of the spring um in the in the airflow for your intake. But you know this particular, you actually could control the throttle, which would be the RPM of the engine uh, on an instant with a carburetor, and you can actually control the machine. So it's just you and the machine, and you would give it gas, and you would actually go down the road. Um, I really think. Being internal combustion and being one of the very first ever internal combustion engines, I think that's why he's credited with the first motor. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I give them both credit because, you know, somebody obviously, you know, Roper put the put the steam engine in the bike. Um, but unfortunately, it's just not really called out as such. So and internal, you know, internal combustion is what we're still running to this day. So I kind of agree on that part of it. You know, it's some, it's a, obviously an older technology, but it's something we still use to this very day and age. So, well, we still use steam power, just not on our motorcycles. And, oh, and well, really yeah. just only for fun, I guess on the, on, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's looked as more of what a hobby now. Yeah. Really I mean, I, I rode a steam engine train this year and it was beautiful and I was slow as fuck. And, but you know, it was so, nice. A little, a little side topic is, you know, coming, I come from the locomotive world in my previous career. So, you know, steam engines are actually still the most high, you know, largest horsepower machines ever built on the planet. Really? As far as locomotives go. Yeah. So, uh, like a, a Union Pacific, uh, locomotive from, you know, the, the twenties is actually blows our modern day locomotive, you know, diesel electric locomotives out of the water for horsepower. Come on. Yeah. And the only reason that we actually went to diesel 
is so that we could power the electric to to drive the traction motors on the on the locomotive because steam engines are so powerful they couldn't get traction down to the rails. So think about climbing, you know, like a real uh, a steep grade and a steep grade in the locomotive world is like eight ten percent crazy, you know. Um, they would have to throw sand down on the on the track. They have sanders that shoot sand out in front of the wheels. They just couldn't keep the traction. And they would slip, and they, they couldn't pull the weight. Well, they were just doing burnouts. Yeah, they were essentially just burning out. You're talking like six, seven thousand horsepower compared to you know four thousand horsepower that we use today. But today we have technology to control the motors and the slip and traction. And uh, yeah, that's why we kind of started deriving away from steam. It wasn't even really for efficiency at that time. Wow. Yeah, just a little side note, but. So once the bicycle, you know, became more of a mainstream means of transport, now we now we got uh, this this guy called you know Got Gottlieb Daimler, and he's a German engineer, and him and his partner Wilhelm Maybach uh, decided to create this machine, and this all started out by you know Wilhelm and Gottlieb creating the first ever in you know. Internal combustion. combustion, internal combustion motor. So, and it's kind of crazy how this whole thing plays out. Um, it, it, you know, they didn't even really mean to build this thing. It, it is the crazy part of the whole story. Uh, how so? They their motor is very very small. <laughs> so, this thing only has uh, you know a 0.6 horsepower. Okay, but at the time that was considered in a, a, a very high amount of horsepower for the size of the motor. Uh, it was such a small piece of equipment, you know, they, they couldn't really do anything with it, so they had to put it in a small in a small chassis. So, are you, are you saying that they were they were essentially trying to build a motor to power a like a bigger vehicle? And correct, yeah, percent. Okay, so that's exactly what they wanted to do. So if you, if you, uh, recognize the last name Daimler, you, you've probably heard that before. Yeah. And it Daimler actually Chrysler. Exactly. So, you know, you know, Daimler, he was more interested in creating an automobile. And back then it was like an auto carriage. Uh, like, you know, you would take a horse and carriage, remove the horse and put a motor in it. So, you know, this was his this was his main outlook, but their first invention of the internal combustion engine was so small and so little horsepower, they knew they couldn't really put it on a carriage and actually power it uh, efficiently. So they needed to start with smaller. So they actually built this wooden frame contraption with two wheels on it. And this this bike actually has two small uh like I, I would call them training wheels. They call them uh, stabilizer wheels. Yeah. On the left and right side, and it kept it from you know tipping over. That was that was essentially because Daimler and and Gottlieb or what is his name? Got Will Will Hunt, Wilhelm uh, Maybach and Gottlieb Daimler. Okay, so Wilhelm and Daimler, they probably just weren't fucking bicycle riders, right? So that was the only. I mean, those because those wheels don't power anything, right? Those are literally just training wheels. Yeah, it's it's literally just to stabilize this machine. So their main focus is not about creating a motorcycle. It's not about anything but that motor. That yeah. that literally the bread and butter of this whole thing. Yeah, that motor moving somebody across the ground. 
Right. And you got to think this is, this is like brand spanking new, never heard of, ever seen technology. We're talking about internal combustion, something you can get on, fire it up and go, you know? Um, like I said, this thing had a very, it was rudimentary, but it was, it was a carburetor. Now, did Um, this have like a pedal crank? Was it like the later bikes where you had to pedal it for a while to get the motor moving and then it would take off? Or are you, are you telling me there was a starter on this thing? No. So it actually, it actually would turn over, uh, by, by the drive itself. So you would have to like kind of push the bike to get the motor started, but you would start a fire inside the motor, almost like a it was like a, a butane uh, style uh, fire, like butane a, like, a, like a pilot, a pilot light. Right. Right. And, you know, you would sit directly over top of the motor, but then once the motor was, you know, heated up and ready to go, you would actually give it gas. So it had a throttle up by the handlebars and you would push forward on the throttle and it would actually, you know, allow more air and fuel to come into it and obviously burn hotter, therefore create more horsepower and more speed. And this thing actually had a belt drive. It, uh, you know, ran a rear belt to the rear wheel. It had a gear, uh, that, you know, spun a smaller gear into a bigger gear. So it was like a reduction. So it could actually, you know, move this, move this contraption that these guys are building, um, and actually go down the road. Yeah. That's a fucking wild looking machine. It is. And if you look at it, it's, it's mainly made out of wood. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's some iron on it. Obviously like the wheels are wrapped in steel with wood, you know, style spokes. Um, and like, I it, love how it's got like that backbone that I love on all choppers, you know, like it's not perfectly straight, but it's still, you know, it's, it's, it's got the same, it's got a similar line to the modern bikes. Right. It's actually kind of crazy. Like you got to think about this now. They don't, they don't have drawings to go off of. They don't have stuff to look at, nothing to compare to. And it's, it's actually kind of crazy to see this thing and see how it actually mimics like a motorcycle as we know it, you know, or, you have, or the motorcycles we know of mimic this one. Oh, right. Yeah. I guess that's how you have to. I guess that's how you have to look at it. And something that's super cool about this and what what made this whole thing even cooler was, you know, you reaching out and even want to talk about this kind of stuff was I actually got to see one of the replicas of this bike earlier this year. Really? Um, yeah. So we were up in uh, the Henry Ford Museum in uh, Detroit. We actually went to, uh, you know, our, our good buddy Detroit show up there, the uh, the damn motorcycle show. Yeah, the damn show. Yeah, man. So we were up there. We were one of the invited guys up there. We had some stuff there. And uh, after we were done with the Detroit show, we decided to go by the Henry Ford Museum and in the Greenfield Village, which if anybody's ever been there or if you haven't been there, you need to check it out. It's literally if you're into old stuff, it's the coolest place on the planet. It's like you walk back into the early 1900s. Really cool. But uh, we went there and I saw all these people kind of crowd around this little area. And I, I, you know, Kevin and I go running over there and here's this bike, man, the Daimler Ritwagon. And it's a complete exact hundred percent replica of the bike because the original bike burnt to the ground and we'll later out find why. But, uh, it, and it has the original style, uh, internal combustion engine that, uh, you know, Daimler actually phrased the word, uh, he called it the grandfather clock because it, it represented, to him, a, a pendulum on the grandfather clock, the way it looked. But uh, 
there was a couple guys there and they were familiar with the machine and they were firing it up. And I actually got to watch him fire this thing up and ride it. Wow. And I have videos on my, uh, on my phone and I, I posted some on our social media. Uh, you can see these guys riding this thing around. It's, it's absolutely, it's, it's insane, man, because it's like, it's a hundred percent what that bike was and just see it was so cool and get to hear it and stuff. But what did it so, sound like? It's uh it almost sounded like a like an old squeaky wheel, uh, if that makes sense. So like you just hear this thing like you would hear it fire and it would make like this squeak noise and you hear the rotation of the crank and then like it, it just spun so slowly. It obviously doesn't have a crazy amount of RPM, but it was like a like a hit and miss engine. If you, oh, so you if could you're say from, a hit and miss engine is what it sounds like. <clears throat> yeah, like a every once in a while it's like a pop, 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 you know, and uh it was pretty, it was really cool. And when they would start giving it gas, they had the same throttle setup and everything. They started giving it gas and you could hear it firing more rapidly. And, you know, it was actually able to take off and, you know, they would go, they would kind of go cruising down They, they had it on the sidewalk in, in Greenfield village there and they were cruising around with it pretty good. Um, so with that being said, so, you know, now they got their engine, they got their frame, everything's put together. Now they got to test this thing, right? They they want to see what their what their new invention can do. And obviously, the invention isn't the motorcycle. They're they're, they're still at this point so you know focused on the fact that they just created an internal combustion engine. So Daimler had a son. Okay, uh, his 17 year old son. His name was Paul, and this this kid was super eager to be you know a part of this. He want you know imagine being 17 years old. And your dad's a, a mad scientist of the, of the sort. <laughs> and uh, him and his buddy just came up with this first ever engine. And now they're going to put it in this cool looking thing with two wheels on it. Heck yeah, you're going to want to ride it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Like imagine not only being like your dad's like this badass dude that can build stuff. But now you get to ride one of his crazy inventions. So it is November of 1885. When I it's wonder so- how much like press was around it. You know, like. Me, I'm thinking, oh, the first motorcycle, there's like, you know, 10, what, 10 type cameras and shit breaking in this fucking shop trying to take photos of it. But I mean, I bet it happened like, you know, there was only a few people around that even knew about it. Uh, you know, to him, it wasn't a finished product. So it probably wasn't like this uh, illustrious uh, event when they unveiled this thing that works like they're, you know, it's not the main goal. So it's probably just a small step and it didn't. You know, it probably didn't, uh, you know, it probably just wasn't as grand as I like to imagine the first motorcycle, right? You think that's right. wrong? Or? No, no, I, I think he, I think he hit it right on the head because everything that I could, like, really find on this event in this particular, uh, the initial first test ride was kind of led to that. Like, obviously, there was people there and, like, the town you know, where Daimler lived and, and where they created all this stuff, obviously it had a little bit of commotion because obviously, you know, this is a time frame when people didn't have television or anything like that. So, you know, word of mouth and, you know, gossip is, is a, is a daily thing. So, yeah, but I imagine that like most of the men of the town are like not concerned with what the crazy scientist is doing, you know, like who knows what else he tried to do or had done you know, months or years leading up to that. You know, I'm sure it was just a spectacle and that people didn't, I mean, and maybe you're wrong, but I would think that it, it just, 
maybe probably wasn't that big of a deal to even anybody around there. They're just like, what is this weirdo doing? You know, like what the right. fuck? Why is he wasting his time? You know, like we yeah, got fields yeah. to mend. We've got, you know, uh, railroad delay or whatever it may be. Like the men have, of that day had like have, things going on. You're right. We have horses to take care of. We have fields to plow. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. things way more important than this crazy man's internal combustion engine. It's never, ever going to catch on. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, same things that we pretty much still say today to anybody that comes out with anything new or crazy. Yeah, it's or, like when I test ride my chopper this spring, my neighbors don't give a fuck. You know, I'm like, sick, my motor's running. I'm like, I'm all stoked riding it down the road. My neighbors don't give a fuck. They're just like, how does he even have time to go ride a fucking, you know, an old antique fucking piece of trash like that? You know? Right. I imagine yeah. this guy was getting that times 10 and his son was probably even a little bit embarrassed. Like dad, dad, <laughs> you know, homeboy down the road has like some fucking cutting horses, you know, that can actually work and make money. And you want me to do what, you know, you want me to, you want me to get on this thing and go yeah. like, it's like got fire and shit, you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man you know i i don't know obviously it's it will i don't think we'll ever know but you know that picture you painted it, it very well could be man like um you know it's hard to say uh but yeah it, so how'd the I, first I, test ride go what did this how did the first test ride go for the sun um so it went it went well so on november of 1885 he took the rip wagon, which in, in English, it's actually a riding car is what it translates to. Okay. First real journey in public. Okay. He covered a distance of five kilometers, which is about 3.1 miles at a top speed of 11 kilometers per hour or 6.8 miles per hour yeah. was his top speed. So he went three miles at 6.8 miles per hour. Uh, the test wasn't short of issues, though. Uh, the the vehicle actually caught fire multiple times during this um, first little test ride. Yeah, yeah. So, w with that being said, I, I can I can see why now getting to see one of these things actually in person, one of the replicas, and it's kind of crazy. You think they would have thought this part of it through just a little bit better, but the the seat for this thing is actually right above the exhaust on the engine, so. You're talking about like an open flame engine that's literally spewing hot fire exhaust directly under your feet covered in. Lead. Yeah, and it's not like it was running real efficient; like it wasn't blowing gas and shit out of there that hadn't quite been lit all the way. No, no, it was literally like blowing fire out of it. And so, now, 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 let's go back to the fuel, like because it's not like they had gas stations, like. They probably distilled. This is probably like fucking Uncle Joe's corn liquor that they're running it off of, right? Like something that they actually, distilled home. Uh, right. It was, but it was actually like an early form of gasoline. It was actually a mixture. So the guys I talked to about this at at the uh, at the Henry Ford on the bike, where they were actually you know running the bike there, they said that the real fuel that the bike ran doesn't actually exist anymore. Oh hell no. It, yeah, so it was like it was actually called they called it gasoline, but it was like a blend of uh, a couple different fuels, and I cannot actually give you an, a real answer on what that was. I mean, I wonder but, what else they were using that because they had to have been using it for something else if it was something that already existed. Like, 
Well, I think it's something that they kind of came up with to, to burn hotter and maybe more efficiently. Than maybe I bet it because like, you know they had like gas lamps. Like I wonder if it was like a ga- like a gas that they used for lamps back then. Well, like back so the whale oil was huge back in those days, right? Like so lanterns and like before power really existed, uh, whale you know trading and oil was the it was the cream of the crop. It was the coal of the day. Really. Uh, yeah, so you you know you got to think about whale trade, and that was like a whole nother topic. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of almost the time frame that we're living in right now with fossil fuel versus electric and clean energy. You know, everybody on the entire planet operate off of whale oil. You know that 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 is fucking insane to me because it seems like it would be easier to build a combustible engine than it would be to catch a fucking whale. Isn't it? Yeah, man. Like we literally like harvested whales. It's so fucking crazy, man. Yeah. And that's how the entire planet operated. So like when that whole industry was under attack, like fossil fuels and and gasoline is right now, the time frame we're living in, um, it was the same thing. You know, people obviously hated it. So I can't really say, you know, I I would not want to fucking piss off a whale fisherman. That's not the guy that I want to go fucking take your job away from you know think about like captain ahab man like this dude's a beast you know he's he's nuts he's not afraid to die like how how many of those guys are actually like that, i mean but know? that's also like taking a fucking job away from those from a, an oil rig worker you know like that's not a dude you want to fuck with no man you do not want to mess with those guys those those guys that yeah these sling pipe man they're freaking dude they're built it's like the same thing but different it is. It's 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 crazy. You know, they always say history repeats itself. You know, um, we're we're kind of in it right now. It's just a, a totally different, you know, way of doing it. But it's we're, we're living it. Okay, so, so the gasoline. I'm still. I I I feel like if it was something other than corn liquor, that there was something else using it. What else could have possibly have been using a combustible gas like that besides a. It, it's hard to say, um, you know, this could very well be something that they came up with to run their particular engine, because up until this point, they don't have any internal combustion engines. So why would they have a gasoline? You know, if uh, if, you know, this this oil or whatever, this blend they use wasn't needed for anything else as far as like burning lanterns or anything. You know, why would it be around? You know, why didn't these guys come up with this? Crazy- it's for drinking, dude. I'm telling well, you, it had you know, to have been that. Corn liquor always is a good supplement to run the vehicle. There's no I doubt mean, about it. You know, I mean, George Washington, he was making his famous blend. When when was that? Like 1805? or uh, You know, they've been making corn liquor for a long time at this point. So, Oh, man, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, for a very long time. So it's, it's hard to say. I don't know. You know, these guys didn't even really say, like, what it was. But they said the blend of fuel that he used to fire this engine was no longer available today. So that to me, tells me that, you know, maybe this whale oil or something of that nature of like an endangered species or something had to have been involved with it. Oh, okay. I see what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, you know, obviously I don't know what else he mixed in there or what else was available. I'd have to, you know, do a little bit more research on that end of it. But so you think that instead of running on dinosaur blood, you know, dinosaur bones, that this thing possibly ran on whale fat. That's what I'm thinking, man. That's that's kind of like what I'm that I'm getting at because wow. you know 
they ran the 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 one that I saw in operation uh, this year. They ran, were running it off of like a butane propane style mix. Yeah, and if anybody, it's somebody that can replicate this motor. If they, you know, if it was possible to get their hands on the original fuel, those kind of guys be, would be getting it right. And they told me it's not available. Other alternative fuel that they blended, and they said it actually doesn't burn as well. I mean, this is 2022, man. And they, they're, they're telling me that the fuel that they're running doesn't burn as hot as the fuel that he originally had. So it, I, they, they don't have the horsepower that he had, you know? Wow. Um, yeah, which is crazy. And all this is coming to you. Like, this isn't on the internet. This is guys I'm physically talking to uh, that I got to watch ride this thing earlier this year. So, yeah, it's hard to say what he had. So the son, do, do we know the son's name? Yeah, Paul. Paul. So Paul's riding this thing around. It's squirting fucking whale fat onto his butt. It's hanging <laughs> off the seat while this got an open flame. Just light. So it wasn't necessarily, was it the bike catching fire or was it Paul himself and his baggy, those those Aladdin looking pants they wore with the tall boots catching on fire? The old, the old knickers. Yeah, yeah the old uh, knickers. <laughs> no, it actually was not Paul. Uh, nothing in my research uh, gets to Paul catching on fire. It actually states that the bike itself caught on fire multiple times during the initial test run. Um, the you know the the seat was located directly over top of the exhaust, and Paul stated the ride was painful and rather easy to ignite into flames. Yeah, so yeah, he was on the verge <laughs> of going. I can just imagine that Daimler and uh, oh, I can't for, I keep forgetting the other guy's name. It's Wilhelm, Wilhelm. And Wilhelm. They got their, yep. they're like probably riding beside him on horses with like pails of water, just throwing <laughs> it at the thing, you know, like, and the horses are like, what in the fuck is this? They had no idea that that was their replacement, that they were just going right. to get sent out to pasture because this, this two wheel machine powered by whale fat was fixing to put them <laughs> out of business. He keeps keeps lighting on fire. And mind you, he's going a whopping 6.8 miles per hour. So in in horse terms, I mean, that's like a, a steady trot. Yeah, the horse anything. was not threatened at all by this at first. No, no he's looking at this thing going, this is seriously what they're going to yeah, do. This like, fucking crazy gonna... mad sign. That's how everybody was looking at this dude. Like <laughs> right, the guy right. run up, running down the road burning well fat. They did not, you know, very, very uh, courageous person this Daimler was in Wilhelm. Right. Well, you gotta give them. You gotta give them uh, credit for for the persistence that they obviously put into this thing. So, you know, after that initial test and the in the vehicle catching on fire, you know, Daimler and, and and Maybach they 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 looked at this as a pretty big success because you know although it proved to catch on fire, it doesn't necessarily mean their design was at fault. It was you know the chassis and where they located the seat was obviously well, terrible. Yeah, their design was at fault, but the the mechanics were working. Yes, correct. Yeah. You know, and I the, also the just thought about like so they're trying to build another vehicle that goes down the road on its own, and they're also like being inspired by this fucking railroad that has just been cut across you know, America and over in Europe and seeing how, like, you know, the railroad could do anything they wanted, right? So, like, they've got some pretty ambitious goals as to, like, creating a vehicle that kind of does what the railroad does but with more freedom and to get it off the tracks and to be able to go anywhere. Exactly. At that point, the only way you could really travel efficiently but was was where the track took you. You know, you were kind of limited to that, that, uh, that precursor of yeah, where you got to go. Yeah, by horse and buggy, so, which wasn't that fast. 
Right. Or it was, you know, just hard to do in, in general. You know, you had to be pretty brave to get on a horse and carriage and try to make any kind of crazy long trip, you know, especially. Yeah. So especially it, across it, the it, American West with the fucking savages out there, dude. Oh, dude, you don't even want to get into the Dahmer party. That's a whole nother. Yeah, that, the Dahmer party. <laughs> or the the Donner, sorry, Donner party, not Donner. <laughs> <laughs> like we just jump fucking time periods quick here, dude. Well, I was thinking 1800s, the Donners, the Donner party when what? they uh, they went crazy on each other for the horse and horse and uh, the the across the United States. Oh, when they started eating the each other, not just the horses. Yeah. The Donner party, yep. Okay. So they looked at this as a huge success. You know, now it shows that their engine uh, is capable and powerful enough to carry people um, without taking up any kind of large space or footprint compared to like a steam engine. Uh, that's more of a stationary style power plant. And, you know, Daimler and Maybach, they looked at this as 100%. This is a beginning for motorized vehicles. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty big, you know, uh, first ever engine and it's successful in its tests where it can actually carry a human being. It gets fully controlled under under the person's control and it can carry you at a uh, decent, you know, a decent speed. And, you know, once they fix that seat being over the exhaust thing, I think it'll be pretty, pretty efficient. too. You know, I think uh, that the reason that this is considered, I'm still, I'm still not agreeing that this is the first motorcycle. But the reason that is, it is considered the first motorcycle is because, you know, the fucking successful people get to tell, get to write history. Okay. Yeah. And Daimler is obviously, you know, him and his family were very successful, and this breeded, you know, us, you know, the Chrysler automobile, Diamond Chrysler. Uh, yeah. Which. Which actually, Roper, Daimler Benz. Do what? Daimler and Benz actually team up later on. Okay. Well, Roper, I guess, you know, he just didn't have the same luck. So that's that's why I believe that history doesn't credit Roper with the first motorcycle. Uh, is because, you know, this the steam-powered <clears throat> vehicle. I mean, it just didn't, you know, he didn't do it. If, if Roper were to have gone on... And created the Corvette, you know, something way yeah. cooler than the Daimler Chrysler vehicles. Then he would, you know, there's a chance that we might look back and consider Roper's vehicle the first motorcycle. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's I, that's where I'm that's yeah. that's what I'm landing on. Yeah, and I, and I can I can agree with that because you know you're saying that you know Daimler had way more significance later on in his career. Yeah. Uh, now, so you know, therefore history you know honors him as that but at the same time when word you know word of this whole thing got out you know this is 1885 this all happened relatively quickly uh you know the patent was produced the same year and it was actually like worldwide recognized as the first ever motorcycle uh right there and there um, really yeah, because you know they were they instantly granted uh, Daimler with the credit of they called him the grandfather of the motorcycle in eighteen eighty five. They did they patented it. Yep, as the motorcycle. Uh, even back then, this this patent was on this machine in eighteen eighty five. So it's kind of crazy um, that you know 
he got that right off the bat. Like, in, in, I think the thing that makes this even more crazy about the whole story again is he didn't even want that title. He wasn't going, he didn't care anything about a motorcycle. It wasn't like, you know, he's this guy that has a bicycle that loves a bicycle and he cannot wait to put a motor on. Um, he didn't even care about that. Yeah. So he, wanted, he, he, he basically named it a motorcycle, not knowing that that name was going to stand the test of time and that two wheels were going to be a thing. Because back then, like, Nobody really knew. Every, you know, there was different people with different opinions. Some thought the four-wheel carriage-powered, you know, motor-powered carriage was going to be the next big thing. And then there were a few people who thought the motorcycle was going to be the next thing. And to him, it, he was just calling it a motorcycle, not knowing that, you know, over 100 years later, we would still be referring to two-wheeled motor vehicles as a motorcycle. Right. And it's something he didn't even set out to invent. That's the craziest part of the whole story. You know, he wanted to be the guy to invent the internal combustion power carriage, the automobile. Yeah. He wanted he wanted the automobile. That's what he was going after. And the only reason he didn't get it right off the bat was, you know, his motor wasn't powerful enough to run it. So, you know, he obviously went on and he did crazy big things. You know, he created the automobile and he even became, you know, partner with ben, partners with Benz later on in his career. Um, you know, he didn't live to a really old age. He was only 65. When now, he, did when he did he create the first uh, internal combustion powered automobile? They it's, actually the following year, that's the, the a larger uh, version of that grandfather clock engine, that internal combustion engine went into a boat and a carriage. Oh, and he did that. And he did that. Or did he that just have there. the patent on the motor and then other people did it? No, he, he, everything I read, he did it. Uh, you know, Daimler Motor Corporation, that was him. Um, which obviously we still recognize that name today. Wow. Well, that's impressive. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of crazy. So he's, you know, he's, He's, you know, termed as the grandfather of the motorcycle, and you know he could really care less about that. His whole, his whole outlook. Was well, it's because he knows motorcycles don't have four fucking wheels, right? You know. Yep. I mean, this thing does have four wheels. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, there's some fishy he's... things going on here to call this the first motorcycle. I'm not saying oh. you're wrong, Sean. I'm just saying that I have a you're... hard time jumping on board with this. Okay, so you're going now. You're going after the training wheels. I, got I mean, you. I feel like you know what? I'm a Mopar no car guy. I really am. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm with Daimler on this. He doesn't care about being the first motorcycle. He was. This is the first Cummins. This is the first truck. Is what this is. So you're looking at this as a real small car, like that, yeah. I mean, I think it's closer to that. You know, it's closer okay. to being the first car than it is being the first motorcycle because of two things. Because of the steam-powered motor, the steam-powered bicycle that was created 20 years before this, and because this thing has four wheels instead of two. So, you know. You, got, you have to remember, though, that the extra two wheels you're referring to are literally, stable, you know, stabilizers. So it, it doesn't even mean they have to be touching the ground while running. It, they're still there, you know? I mean, I've seen cars running around on two wheels, you know, with two wheels in the air, and they're still considered <laughs> cars, you know? Just because uh, you're stunt riding a car on two wheels doesn't mean it's a motorcycle. Now, now we're getting to, like, the Duke's hazard. Yeah. I uh, mean, no, I mean, I I do think 
that the internal combustion engine is a giant leap forward. You know, like I do know, I mean, obviously we use this today and it's been modernized. I mean, it's just an idea that's been built upon. Uh, and, you know, now there's very, very, I mean, a weed eater engine, you know, there's even smaller motors than that. Um, right. And it's in a very impressive feat. Uh, I've just, I've, I have, ever since I started looking into this, I've just had this resistance to accept that this <laughs> is the first motorcycle. Hey, um, man, it's, you know, that's, that's, you know, you can have your opinion, you know. Um, well, I think yeah. I'd like to hear other people's opinion on this, too. Uh, I agree. I'd like yeah. to, like to kind of see what somebody thinks uh, the first motorcycle really should be. Yeah, I, I do. I think that the, that's a great idea. We've got. I would like to. I would like to hear from people at Dan at DangerDanceTalkShop.com that agree with me, right? And then I would like for everybody else to email Sean at CompetitionDisc.com uh, to to tell you tell him that you agree with the story that he has put forward. And not that not that I'm saying anything you've said is wrong, Sean. I know that this is just what the history books say. Uh, right. Is that this is? I mean, it's yeah. This is accredited. I mean, I I could say that that this is accredited as the first motorcycle, you know. But this also isn't the first thing that I've disagreed with uh, in life. So that, <laughs> should, that shouldn't come as a, too much of a surprise to people. Well, uh, I mean, how how are we wrapping this up? Is there more? Is there more to this story? Or are we going to continue on later? No, so that pretty much with this initial uh, look into this, this is pretty much all there really is on it. There's not a ton of information on this. Obviously, again, going back to your uh, coverage of the the media that day, um, you know, the only other thing I, I will say is, you know, Daimler never built another one of these again. Um, there was no more two wheel vehicles in his future. Um, I guess that just kind of solidifies how little he really cared about that title being the first. Um, motorcycle or anything like that in nature so uh yeah he went on to do cars and stuff so there's nothing really else coming out of the daimler camp as far as motorcycles or powered bicycles or anything like that okay well uh so now as we move forward this is our first episode of i hope to be many uh covering the first motorcycle uh you do have a show topic for uh next month and once again and 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 uh people listening i would like to tell you we're gonna we're gonna try and do at least one of these a month uh, if things come together and we put out more, then we'll put out more. But the, uh, right now we're going to shoot to do another one of these uh, for January. Uh, what have you uh, decided on for next month? So we're going we're gonna to bounce around a little bit here. And next month we're going to tap into something a lot uh, more modernized. And it's going to be about uh, motorcycles and the celebrities that ride them and even possibly lost their lives while riding motorcycles. Okay, cool. Do you have a celebrity picked out at this point? Um, we're not really going to focus on just one person. Oh, uh, cool. There's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're kind of going to, you know, obviously we can't go into super, um, depth on every individual person that's a celebrity form that's ridden a motorcycle. It was not enough time in the planet for that, but we'll kind of bounce around and talk about, different people and you know maybe some short stories off of like any crazy events that happen to them while riding bikes or anything like that cool well i'm looking forward to that and i'm also looking forward to getting back to the history of the motorcycle because i know i mean 1885 uh the first motorcycle and harley what they opened their doors in 1903 with the first production line i mean that's not that long after 
And no, there's so much other thing, so many other things that were happening. I mean, the uh, you know Ford coming around with the uh, what are the the invention of the assembly line. Uh, you know, just there's a lot of stuff that happened in between 1885 and the beginning of Harley. And I know that there's other companies, uh, but you know, that's the one that's important to me. And I can't wait for you to tell us about all the companies that tried to put their fucking, you know, name in the game by producing, uh, a, a long lasting motorcycle. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, we have over 200 and some companies that, you know, eventually made motorcycles at some point in time in the early, in the early days of, you know, the two wheel stuff. So, uh, you know, obviously Harley Davidson, Indian, uh, Excelsior being the big three, but there's a ton more than that, you know, and we'll go into all that different stuff in different episodes. And obviously what people want to hear about, we can tap into those as well. So now speaking of all those motorcycle companies, how many different companies does competition distributing make parts for? Uh, so we'd have, let's see. We have six right now, six different companies. So, so it's Harley, Indian. Excelsior, Flying Merkel, Henderson. Oh, it's five. We, have, we got five. Five. Yeah, that, that, yeah, we have five. So that's the big ones that we really focus on. We might have a part here or there for, uh, you know, the other thing that's kind of crazy that you have to really learn is a lot of these early manufacturers shared parts. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, not everybody was making their own motor from scratch. Not everybody was, you know, building their frames from scratch. You know, some of these people were calling themselves a motorcycle company, buying stuff from competitors, putting it together in a different format and selling it as such. So it, uh, there's a lot of different things going on there. Well, I can't wait to learn more about it. And Sean, I appreciate all the work that you put into this episode and I look forward to doing this again. Hey, no problem, man. Had a great time. And, uh, yeah, same over here. We look forward to keep talking about this stuff. All right, well, I hope you have a merry fucking Christmas and a happy new year. Uh, then this show will be coming out sometime in December, and we will be getting ready for our next show to be released in January. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, thanks for tuning in to the first ever Archaic Iron Podcast with Sean Jackson of Competition Distributing. Uh, we definitely want to hear your feedback. What do you think was the first motorcycle? Maybe you have some ideas for future show topics, or maybe you know of some famous person or a story or something you'd like to add to the next episode we record in January. Email me at dan at Danger Dance Talk Shop or sean at sean at competitiondisc.com. Uh, man, I want to thank all my patrons for uh, donating every month. I know that you're only doing it so that you can win a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. Or maybe you're the one that's fixing to win a gift card from my sister to Inappropriate Trucker Hats. Uncle Becca. All right, 109 Brent Brooks out of Gainesville, Texas. You just won a $100 gift card to Inappropriate Trucker Hats. Make sure you check out my sister on the gram or her website. She prints the hilarious shit on trucker hats. You may have seen her already. She's got a storefront in Prosper. Christmas party next weekend on the 17th. She's got a bunch of great gifts, gag gifts, all sorts of gifts that you can, you know, take care of the loved ones in your life. 
And, uh, man, I appreciate it. Rebecca! Now, you can also check out DangerDanceTalkShop.com, MCShopTees.com, or CompetitionDisc.com. Anyways, can't wait to hear from you, and we will be doing this again next month. Thank you, Sean. (laughs) 